now, get ready to talk hockey. Streaming from the Oilers Live Studio. Subscribe or follow today. Hey, 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 it's Michael here with another edition of Oilers Live Tuesday, the flagship podcast of the Heavy Hockey Network. Uh, I've got as my uh, guest tonight, uh, Dash in the Park and Mr. Mike Dursa, going to join me for a little all-star break, Oilers all-star break, the rest of the league still playing, not all of them, but some of them are, and uh, we'll talk a little bit of Oilers hockey, what things look like, you know, what's going to happen as we... Uh, Get out of the all-star break and uh, all that fun stuff. Welcome to the show, guys. How you doing? Outstanding, Michael. Good, good. Dash? A little quiet. For, hey, well, for I don't know. Start. Good. Just, you know, I just pay all due respect to Dursa and let him speak first whenever I can. You know me. <laughs> right on. Right uh, on. Yeah, good to have you guys. I don't, when's the last time it was just the three of us doing a show? Three mics on mics? Yeah. I don't know. Feels like two of them uh, are Mike D's, and one of those Mike D's is awesome. And the other one's Dursa. <laughs> it's been a while, guys. It has been a it has been Too a very long. long time. Yeah, it has been months, yeah. months and months. And uh, lots has happened. I think the last. Well, I mean, we we've all been on a show together, but uh, usually with other with some of the other guys. Um, we used to uh, do this quite quite often we just haven't done it for a while and what better time than when the oilers are uh seven one and two in their last 10 pretty exciting time uh you guys so i asked this i had sean on uh last week uh he's a writer for the hockey writers i try to get his name correctly but you know i even asked him how to say it he said said uh, you know don't worry about it. <laughs> so just really so, don't use butchering it more than you already have. Yeah, yeah. So, but I did ask Sean, uh, you know what what his thoughts were, and I'll get your opinion because I'm I'm I keep looking at this and I think you know how excited should we be? I mean the the schedule of late, like after that LA game, right, has been maybe you, you add in Seattle and Vegas, but outside of Seattle and Vegas, it's been the bottom of the barrel of NHL teams seven, one and two can be a little bit misleading. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, this is a, this is a team that had themselves in a wild card spot in arguably one of the toughest schedules in the league at the first half of the season. Um, who are the real Oilers guys? Like, are, are they the seven, one and two Oilers or the, uh, Sort of NHL 500 Oilers. Dursa? Yeah, I, I mean, you have to win the games that you're presented with, right? Uh, and and I think we we were victimized by a little bit of a difficult schedule schedule to start out, and it's kind of balancing itself out. So um, I think you're you're starting to see kind of the the team that we thought we were getting in in the summer. I mean, Jack Campbell's rounding into form and uh, we're relatively healthy right now, except for maybe a little bit of a nagging injury with Yamamoto there. But uh, no, I think this is the real deal. Um, and they can extend this a little bit more with, uh, you know, Detroit and, and Philadelphia coming out of the, out of the break and climb, climb the ladder a little bit. And just like we all thought leading the Pacific, right, Dash? That's, what, that's where I had him. <laughs> I mean, your thoughts, Dash. I mean, you, you know, you, you didn't have this team, obviously, at the top of the Pacific. And I don't know that any of us did. We, maybe we, we hoped they'd be there. But, um, you know, is this, where, where, what is this team? Is this a Pacific Division leading Oilers squad or is it wild card squad? I don't think we know. I mean, right now, you know, you look at seven, one, and two. I mean, it's you know pretty compelling that uh, they're a team that can win some games, but they're mostly bottom feeders in there, with the exception of two teams. Your thoughts, real Oilers? Which ones are they? Ultimately, I think it's probably somewhere in between. Um, 
um, it, you know, that's tough to answer. I think. Uh, I, I don't love the narrative about oh, you know, we played had an easy schedule and a hard schedule. Like the NHL is really hard league. There's a ton of parity. Um, Arizona can beat Toronto on any given night. You know, I'll look at Toronto the other night, like whopping Washington and then losing to Ottawa. You, you just you never know. And ultimately, you're supposed to, you know, like Durst said, win the games that you're supposed to win. And we're doing that. Um, just because they've all been presented to us lately isn't our fault. Um, I don't know if you heard uh, the, the Got Your Back podcast recently there, the, the last one that Strutty and Rashog did. They, uh, they said that sh- straight off the pipes, their favorite podcast. Uh, go check that out. I'm not lying. But Rash- Rashog also said that the um, Oilers and the Kraken had the two hardest schedules so far up to this point in the NHL. So they played the least bottom 10 teams. So it's got to balance out, and it is. Um, but at that same breath, the last time I did a show with you, Michael, was two weeks ago. Um, we jokingly, in between here, have said that you should go back and clip it because you and I sound like geniuses. But there's a two-minute stretch in that show where you ba- you and I basically predicted exactly this, that the team from that point, we were there on a Seattle post game. We lost that night. It was, it was upsetting. You know, people were down and you and I said, just wait, you know, there's going to be a point in time where the team goes and wins 15 out of 20 and they've won eight, one and two since like times that by two, that's exactly 15 and 20 or 15 out of 20. So we also said once Campbell settles in, that we'll have a more consistent team. We also said that once the goaltending's more consistent, the defense will look a little bit better. And all of those things have happened. So a little bit of good luck, a little bit of good schedule. I think that's fair to say that the schedule has something to do with it. But also, that was the tipping point. What did, what did we, before then, we, before the LA game, we were in two fights all year. And then all of a sudden, we've been in six fights in the eight games since. I think there's something to the fact that DeHarney's been here. I think there's something to the fact that Kane's been back. I think there's something to the fact that the team pays, plays an inch taller when they're around. And I think that all contributes to the success as of late. And, you know, you guys in the prediction show said the others would finish the division first. I said that they would div- finish the division second. And I think they're just they're right in there. They're right in there. Yeah, I mean, right now it it uh, looks very possible, right? That um, you know the Oilers could uh, you know finish as the division leaders. Uh, certainly, from a points percentage standpoint, uh, they're sitting in second in the Pacific. Uh, they've had it, you know, they've had a good stretch. I, you know, to answer my question, I guess that goes to you guys. I mean, the way I look at it is this team's very much somewhere in the middle, but I, you know, we were sitting there, you know, 40 games in and a lot of people were, you know, jumping off the Oilers bandwagon and throwing in the towel. And I think we even saw a fire Woodcroft tweet at some point. And of course, Ken Holland is, yeah, articles and Ken Holland is the devil and a lot of different things. Oof, but at the end that. of the day, right? I mean, they, the, um, you know, when with the schedule that they had, and and you're right, there's some parity in the league. But at the end of the, you know, like if a team is if a team is good over time, they'll win more than they lose versus those bottom half teams. Uh, I think the Oilers did well to maintain their position as a playoff team in a tough schedule. And now that the schedule is lightening up for them, these are wins. At the beginning of the season, as much as they are wins in the middle of the season or at the exactly. end of the season, and they're getting them at the right time. They're going seven, one, and two. You look at Seattle. Went what did? How many did they win in a row? Uh, recently, seven or eight in a row was it, or maybe even more than that. Um, and uh, the NHL Network had them number one overall in a power ranking. 
Uh, they're six, three and one now in their last 10 and the Oilers beat them. You know, I thought, uh, handily, I thought they did, um, quite well against them. So, you know, I, I think this team is, um, is somewhere in the middle. It's too early for us to be thinking conference finals again. I think they, yeah. but having Kane back in the lineup, man, what a difference, right? Like, uh, just the energy, I think, of the team, a lot of different things. What um, catalyst for sure? Yeah, he's a catalyst. And and so when you look at this team, I mean, you you brought this up, Dash. We'll start with you on this. And you, you I mean, you said it. They've had a lot more fights. You know, what are a couple of the things that you've noticed over the past, you know, ten games, which has really been kind of the turnaround uh, for the team that weren't there before. Like what, you know, outside of the fights, obviously that's an obvious one, but anything, anything that you notice about this team, maybe that Woodcroft has been saying in the back room or, you know, the team's decided they've got to change or anything like that, that, um, any little bits and pieces that you might've noticed? Who the flub knows what Woodcroft's saying in the back room. Um, I wish I knew. Um. You know what I think that there was probably a tipping point. You know what I think of was it last season or the season before you guys when everybody um, before the Rangers got Reeves and everybody said that they were soft because one of their players got hit and hurt. You remember that? And then the next game they came out and like the entire line dropped the mitts, including Stone. Yep. Or Strom. Sorry. Yeah. Um. I think there was a lot of criticism going around that nobody defended McDavid when Mackenzie Negar poked his leg out. And, you know, I, I think the noise probably caused a little bit of that same effect where they can't really, it's not the right time to get retribution in a tie game in the third period against your arch rival with the division on the line. That's the last time Nurse can come in and take a stupid penalty. So I think like from that game on was a tipping point. All of a sudden there's, what was it? The very next game in LA, they get in three fights. Yeah. I don't know. I just think there's that tipping point there caused the team to galvanize. Anybody's been to the bar with their buddies and gotten in some scraps or played any type of sport where you had to go through adversity and, and then come out the other side together, you're galvanized. And I just think the team is really starting to galvanize. And I think the Kane return and DeHarney is getting a lot of credit, but maybe he's not getting enough credit because I really do. You see them. Look what McDavid was doing with Maroon. Like they're all playing an inch taller. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hundred percent. I love that. Right. <laughs> I mean, you don't see, uh, there's not a lot of superstars that you see that uh, fight back like that. It was great to see. Dursa, your thoughts? I, I, I noticed a kind of a switch uh, being turned on. And I'd love to be a fly on the wall in what was said in the players only meeting, because that's to me where actually it really changed. And I believe that was the game, uh, it was before they played the New York Islanders. And, uh, their defensive structure changed. Uh, Nurse decided he wanted to be an NHL, you know, top pairing guy again. And uh, I just think that as a as a whole, like team defense uh, picked up the physicality. Not to cut you off, Durst, but that's the exact day that we did that podcast, Michael and I. The post game after the Kraken, and the next game was up against the Islanders. Yeah, yeah I think it, for I think sure. it, we agree on the tipping point for sure. I think it was either that night or the morning after they had their players only meeting. And, uh, yeah. you know, that's to me, that's where the switch was turned on. They haven't won every game since then. And, they, you know, they went into LA and lost, but yeah, the three guys stepped up for each other. Was it uh, nurse Costin and, um, Pugliarvi that got into it that night. And then when, when Kane got back, you know, I don't think it's, it's all Evander, but everybody else, you know, it's it's pack mentality it's we everybody's got their back and i i don't think you know kane is is the um guy that's doing that but just with him in the lineup everybody else seems to play like they're six inches taller than they are and you know now we're not all of a sudden talking about being pushed around 
and you add this big behemoth Chara, you know, Chara light kind of on the back end there. And uh, all of a sudden, do we really need that nasty shutdown D? Maybe, but we we seem to have found one, you know? So I, I must have more. Yeah, I, I think there's been a bit of a bit of a switch um, that's been turned on. And I like our group right now. And I, 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 I'm not in a position where I think right now, it's we got to do something right now, right now, right now, right now. I think I want to let this breathe a little bit more and evaluate a bit more now that Kane's back in and DeHarnay's in here and and really see what we have in the next. You know, I think it's about two weeks till the to the deadline. Yeah, um, take a little bit more time and 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 see what we've got here. Yeah, you know what, uh, Dursa, you bring up a good point. I mean, that's um, that's something that. Uh, you know, just uh, whatever. What two weeks ago was, as Dash was saying. I mean, we didn't. Yeah, let, that, let me just add something to that. Luxury. Yeah, let but. me add something to that before you jump in, Michael, because I want to validate what you guys are both about to say. I'm just looking at the schedule, and the game against Calgary when the knee happened was when the criticism started. The very next game was against Seattle, and that's when we put up a touchdown that game. But you'll also remember that was the game. That's when the tipping point was for the fighting. There was two fights the entire season before that. Both of them were Pogliarvi. And one of them, he didn't even drop the gloves. And then that game, Dylan Holloway fought Vince Dunn. And then Costin tried to fight Tanev and Alexiak at the same time. And there was that little double minor mishap. And right from there, that was where I think the toughness started to galvanize. Then they lost two in a row. That you know, was Dash. heading into the, and then the, the, la- the second of the two in a row was the Seattle beating them again, and then the team meeting. So that's, just gotta, then that's when it all happened. I got to take a second and acknowledge the shit-eating grin on Costin's face, skating to the penalty box, and, and Nurse and Kane greeting him with shit-eating grins, and Holloway in that game you talked about after he got into it, and he kind of looked like, hmm. That was kind of fun, and he skated to the penalty blocks. Yeah, they're like the Lost Boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and uh, you know, all those things are great. I, I think that um, you know, definitely the team toughness huge, right, for this team. Uh, some stranger brought up Hyman uh, fighting yeah. Dursey. Yeah, it right. Wasn't like you know, what yeah. a great you know, and uh, who better know, than to not. have a fight like that than Hyman, uh, where he you know gives the smile and the yeah, I'll go. Yeah, sort of thing, uh, and and performs well. I mean, who knew, right? Who knew that uh, Hyman could chuck him and and do all right? Uh, so in, evenly. What, what can Hyman do? Yeah, I mean the guy. Yeah, he. I mean he's a spark plug for this team, right? He keeps going. The one thing I noticed that um, hasn't been said, and and we see this, I think, and I think it's important to see it against teams like Anaheim, like San Jose, like uh, Vancouver, you know, uh, the Chicago game, which is, Vancouver. you know, two, two, three weeks ago, maybe a little bit longer now, into December, this team would come out with a seven to three type of showing that they had against Chicago and they'd play that first 20 minutes. And then they'd pack it in, but they'd pack it in, you know, maybe 15 minutes of game time, but just long enough to let the other team in it, lose momentum. And then it was, it was done. I mean, how many, you know, how, how often did we hear, uh, DeBrusque or Jack Michaels talk about losing two goal, (laughs) two goal leads, right? at home i mean it it was just a broken record over and over and over again and i think we finally at least it i think something switched with the team maybe it was the team meeting who knows what it was maybe it was just getting tired of losing leads uh but it was it's good to see this team go out there with like this killer mentality you know a, a little bit of uh what was that mortal combat finish him type of moves <laughs> right and and just you know what i love that they put uh we'll talk about um the uh berlin wall but i love that they put him in and i don't care what chicago thinks i want this team to you know 
I want I want the league to be on notice that this team's got the offensive firepower to destroy just about anybody, right? And and they're not afraid to back it up either. If you know, if guys want to go, you know, they want to go. There's cost in there. There's DeHarnay. There's Kane, who should be uh, maybe ready to chuck a few after the All Star break. We'll see. You know, that's the guys are there. They're playing for each other. But it's that uh, to me, it's a lot of that killer mentality and um you know renegade man takes us back to where i was gonna go actually which is he says uh bukestad's now a likely target for the oilers who need help on the bottom six i think the one luxury now that ken holland has that maybe maybe he always knew he had but oilers fans didn't know he had was there's some time now and to your point there said you know the oilers don't need to rush out today and make a a shitty move right lotsberg made a post about panic moves in the oilers organization over the last <laughs> right and if you haven't gone if you haven't read it yet go heavyhockey.com and check out ryan lotsberg's uh, he did a two article uh, series on panic moves by the Oilers make you rethink right like this you know uh this ability or this this desire for everybody to make a panic trade right and um and I think now you know Ken Holland's got some time also teams can't they won't take advantage of you I think in the same way you know if you could you know if you if it doesn't look like a take it or leave it situation right which i think the oilers have been in far too often you know i think about taylor hall jordan eberle like those were take it or leave it type of moves where the other gm immediately had the upper hand because well everybody knew what the oilers were doing and so you kind of you took the the dregs of what somebody was willing to give you right that's my thought on it uh what do you guys think about bugstad let's talk about talk about this thoughts on this and um and do the oilers maybe the question is do the oilers need a lot of help on the bottom six go ahead Durs. Uh, i guess my question is who do you think doesn't belong there who are you pulling out to replace nick with um you know for me i, I would target a, a third line center that can win draws and uh you know, a veteran guy that's won a cup. That's that's kind of what I think uh, you need in that bottom six. And if you can get it at an affordable price, that's um, that's what I would target. I Nick Bustad is is a player, but it doesn't really do a lot to excite me. That's kind of where I'm at. <clears throat> How much depends on? Bustad just you know, I mean, it's like Brassard all over again, doesn't it? Oh, a little man. bit, that... you know, big body probably should have played more physical. Finally, starting to at the end of his career because he realizes it's shortening. And yeah, yeah sure, he's okay. Honestly, yeah. if, if we're not talking no. about fixing the defense and and yeah. getting some insurance on the back end, then <laughs> I don't have a lot of interest in talking about forwards, right? Yeah, like, there's yeah. just it's such a such a glaring need for me and. I would love for them to go out and get that D piece. I I just don't know what they can do. Nick Nick Bukestad to me is just a large bowl of meh salad. So, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and and uh, I see where the where the rumor comes from, right? I yeah. mean, he's he's got you know an attractive uh, salary cap situation. Uh, you know, he can fill in at center. You know, he can play down the lineup a little bit. He is a big guy. Uh, but I think to Dash's point, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm I'm not really thinking bottom six at this point. I'm thinking about shoring up D. And um and 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 the reality is like I I Durst, I love where you went with that, which is if I'm Ken Holland right now, I want to see what I've got. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, you, you finally you finally have something worth having a look at. I don't think, you know, I mean, 
let's, you know, in fairness to, again to Holland, he, everybody thought Deharnay was playing out of the cap, out of cap until he got injured. Right. Like he's, you know, he, it's not like he's some surprise to the organization. Right. As soon like as he signed that contract. Actually, he yeah. signed it at a dollar that they could fit him in so that he could be on the big club. Yeah. So, and that's huge, right? I think, you know, there's a bit of wishful thinking with him, you know, in the sense of hoping that he can, he can do it at the NHL level because he just haven't seen it. But I, I, I don't think it's a major revelation for them. Like, I think they had a fairly good idea that he, he was going to be, you know, able to be a, a six, seven defenseman in the league. I think they do that. Um, I, I think it went more seamlessly for him than they would have imagined, and that's great. And, uh, you know, I hope he keeps it up. Yeah. Damn audio. Are you getting the same problems, Dash, on your side? Yeah, it's cutting a bit or skipping. All right. Let's uh, hope for me, this. Nick Bustad is if he's on a spike or a spice rack, he's flower. You know what I mean? Like, it's great. Another guy like that. You're going to get somebody that's going to move the needle in the bottom six, then get somebody that's going to move the needle. Like if this rumors on Jonathan Taves or anything close to real, then I can get excited about that. But I don't know. Buke stats yeah, just I, for I, I 2.0. The, uh, yeah. It'd be, uh, be curious. Uh, Renegade Man brings up Gavrikov, who we've heard lots of. Uh, thoughts on this guy? I mean, you know, to me, it's polarizing, right? There's uh, half the half the folks that would love to see him on the Oilers, and half that uh, don't want him anywhere near our blue line. Um, I didn't. Um, I watched him on their Alberta trip. I didn't get you know the warm and fuzzies by watching him. I didn't think that he was exceptional by any stretch. It's not a. He's not a player that I've spent a ton of time watching. Um, I mean, it's the Blue Jackets, so, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not really exciting hockey. Um, you guys, I mean, what, what's your thought? I mean, is he's obviously, he's in the mix. He's a player. I think there's enough insiders that have brought up his name that he's a likely target. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, to me. Here's a guy that um, he just doesn't move the needle enough for me, you know. Uh, and and again, right? Like if I'm Holland, I'm I'm taking some time and checking to see what I have, right? I um, certainly Deharnay has been he's been good so far. It's not been against super tough competition, uh, and um, you know he's you know, he's still playing sheltered minutes for the most part. Um, you know, over the next little while, you'll you'll get a good feeling for for what you really have in him, and and then then you can decide where in the lineup you need. You know, you really need. Obviously, I still think you need defensive help, but but where and um and then what do you do? You know, who do you? What's Gavrikov's salary at? Got to. Uh, I, I think you got to ask. Um, Two point eight or something. Yeah, I think I think really, if you're gonna renovate your D decor, I think you have to look look at the you know a little bit outside of the Pacific Division because I I still think the path to the cup goes through Colorado, and you you have to take a look at their decor and then look, look at ours and can you go head to head with that? And I think the answer right now is still no. So, so if you're gonna if you're gonna make a move, it, it's got to be major. It can't be just a you know, a, a little deep in the line, you know, four, five, six, seven defensemen. I, I think it's you, you need somebody to go on your top pair with with Nurse and slide CC a little bit further down in the lineup. Yeah, the, the problem and and Mike, maybe what I'll get you to do is is log out and log back in. Let's see if that helps at all. Yeah, it's getting. I'm not sure what it is. I mean, I'm sure everybody could hear what you have to say, but showing your connection is good. Just try it and see if that helps the problem. It's tough to follow. If it doesn't, if it doesn't help the problem, then uh, it's the last time we use this streaming platform. We'll go back to the <laughs> to the old one because that's uh, that's the second time now. Um, I was really hoping you're going to say that's the last time we use Dursa. 
<laughs> he's having trouble logging off, so we <laughs> we got there. He, he managed to hit the quit button. Maybe I'll watch for a while and learn something. Uh, I think the key to Gavrikov <laughs> is that um, he's not going to cost you a lot. You don't have to give up much to fit him under the cap, and he's. Like you said, you didn't really notice him or, you know, he wasn't really noticeable renegade, but like, when was that a bad thing for a defenseman? Um, he's got a, he's a bit Larson-esque, right? He's a big body. He's mean. Um, it's not a terrible thing to have. I think the key for the Oilers is that they need somebody on defense that they don't um, want to retain. Like it's pure rental. Well, you know, and maybe you're onto something there, Dash. I mean, Gavrikov and Nurse could be a hell of a pair, right? Like, I, I still contend. Like, I hate. I, like it. It drives me nuts the hate for Nurse because the guy is a top D man in this league, and I think you know if you had better defense behind him. I mean, Cody Cece, let's be honest, nobody thought he was going to be a top pair guy. Nurse has capably taken on the best pairing and the best line of every one of the Western Conference teams every game, every year for the last five years. So, so what if he is, makes is a million Gavrikov too much money? He outplayed his contract for four years before that. Yeah. We owe him that. Yeah, I, I hate talking about Nurse's contract, too. I mean, that just, you can't win that one, right? Like, that's not a conversation you can have. Is Gavrikov better than Cody Cece? I I think like Gavrikov plays twenty three to twenty five minutes a night in Chicago. Yeah, he's playing top 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 right? line. So I mean, sure, you throw him with Nurse, and you've got um um. Does he shoot right? No, he's the left handed shooter he's too. A lefty, yeah, but I think he can play both sides, from what I remember. Um. I also wouldn't mind seeing Jake McCabe out of Chicago if they're going to dismantle that team. That would be a nice little pickup. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe I'm overthinking like the player, right? And you just need somebody who's CC caliber that can notch guys down the defensive lineup a little bit. Yeah. Like Nurse has done, Nurse has done well enough with guys that would be second, second pairing D on any other team in the league. Barry and CC is now a capable second pairing. And then you've, I don't think you break up Bouchard and Broberg. They've invested so much in that pairing, but then, you know, now you've got a Daharney and a Kulak still around for, and now that's depth, right? So it's somebody that you can pick up that can play first pairing minutes that doesn't have a, that high of a price because it's a pure rental. Yeah. And you still have play already somewhere else maybe and the numbers don't make the numbers don't make sense right you can't yeah. i mean whether we want <laughs> you know guys that want a legit you know first pairing d man seem seemingly forget that we've got to you know we're fighting to keep kane in the lineup <laughs> right with the with the salary we have we're we, you well, know just, go. yeah and just a week ago we were wondering you know who's who's out so that Kane could come in, if not for Yamamoto being on LTIR. So, you know, there's there's challenges with, obviously, with picking anybody up that's, you know, 2.8 might be uh, might be difficult to do. JP's, obviously, you know, is he... Now, here's the other thing. Is he gone, right? Is he, you know, is somebody going to pick him up? Do the Oilers... Yep. Do the Oilers have to eat some of that salary? Are they giving them up for nothing? What's what's going on there? You know, I mean, I, I you know, in you my eat mind, salary, but you just yeah. give up a bigger piece along with it, so that the team that's taking them will eat it. Yeah. And who's that piece? Right. Well, you yeah. give them a a second that you wouldn't normally have to, so that they take the whole salary. <laughs> so how the the difference? You know. A month made. It's going to be money in, money out, right? So it's just how many people had Broberg as a uh, trade, t- like trade potential on this lineup? Me. Like, how many times did you see Broberg's name come up? As uh, well, we got our friend Jeff Aid. Jeff, <laughs> Jeff Aid and I, me, yeah, <laughs> yeah, both of us. I yeah. predicted in the pre in the preseason show that Daharney and 
um, Niemalainen would end up higher in the chart than Broberg at the end of the year. Yeah, well, and, and Deharnay still might. Niemalainen, you know, he uh, he started off strong, but he's um, he certainly took a little bit of a a dive. Like he um, he just didn't seem to fall up. He didn't keep that. It, he just didn't seem to keep the physical aspect of his game up to where we expected. And maybe it was a minutes thing. I don't, you know, maybe it was just a utilization and an opportunity thing. Uh, some stranger said, I heard a deal was almost made with uh, St. Louis. <coughs> I hadn't heard that. Is that recent news? I heard that's one of the rumors out there. I think the stronger rumor out there is Boston. Yeah, I mean, there was the rumor Anaheim was looking at him. Uh, Boston's a, a possibility. I think he bought into Brad Marchand trolling everybody. <laughs> everybody falls for Brad Marchand emojis. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Brad Marchand is always trolling everybody. <laughs> yeah, Robert settled in nice lately. Like he is a. Uh, Quietly goes about his business, and and it's a you know he's playing a pretty pretty quiet game, and and from a defenseman you know just breaking into the league, I, I think that's great. Well, yeah, I mean, Dash said it earlier. You don't you know if you don't hear about a defenseman, and yeah, and you know I I can't recall seeing a play where I thought Broberg was shit in the past couple of weeks, right? And it's actually kind of nice. Yeah, he recovers well too. Like if if he does kind of get beat, he recovers well and and yeah. The most noticeable defenseman in that stretch to me has been Kulak. Yeah. Like he's been the guy that if I had to, you know, say drop, you know, has dropped a couple of uh steps in in how I feel his game is, it's Kulak. I thought you're going to say he dropped a couple of gloves cuz that was a turning point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he had to do something, right? Maybe he's feeling the pressure too, and that's oh, good. Everybody's sure. got to contribute in their own way. Yeah. Uh, some stranger said uh, Sarah Volley mentioned it on his pod mm. uh, about the St. Louis JP. Sarah Volley generally know has what the was rumored to come back. I didn't hear that. Yeah, yeah I'd be um, maybe Tarasenko. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> No. I got to make a joke about the, that whole Matt Berlin, uh, Chicago disrespect thing. Like, you know, if Chicago was going to take that as a sign of disrespect, or were we supposed to turn off the scoreboard too? Because I would have been more embarrassed by that than <laughs> bringing a young goalie at the other end. Yeah, it's more embarrassing. That's an NHL team put up a touchdown on you and that you're behind by four in the third period than it is that. Yeah. Some kid got his moment in the NHL. Yeah. Um, I can see why it would be perceived that way. Like, you know, if you think from the, you know, how many times have you guys sat down with one of your better halves and said, honey, I know I was thinking about saying this to my boss and, you know, your better half looks back at you and says, well, if you're thinking it, you probably shouldn't say it, then you probably shouldn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> It's a little bit of that, right? Like, there's clearly they all thought, well, this might be offensive, right? And that's why McDavid and Woodcroft come out, and the first things out of their mouths was, we meant no disrespect. But the mere fact that it was handled that way is what made it absolutely fine. Absolutely. And fine. I, I don't know. Nothing, I mean, right? I didn't. There was nothing Billichekian about it, right? Where it's like, we're running up the score. I heard people <laughs> saying we ran up the score. I don't think it had anything to do with that. I think it had something to do with Woodcroft wanting to get Kane off the schneid. Well, and when Kane scored, he it's not like he went for the big, you know, he didn't ride the stick to the yeah. bench. He looked he looked upset that he scored. <laughs> you know, yeah, slide. Yeah. Yeah. Or you know, or why are you putting Connor and Dreisaitl out there with with Berlin like you're just rubbing it in and like come on. Like Did any players actually come out though and say any, any of that? No. no. I mean, cuz the, the the players will say it. Guys like Kane and and Taze, if, if it really bugged them, they're not the kind of guys to stay quiet on that. It's like Strudwick said, they know they suck. They're they're more offended by that than anything we did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's probably... You don't I, like I mean, it? Stop us. Yeah. Yeah, and, and to me, you know, I like, yeah, seven goals is, is a lot. Top stake and penalties. But, but, yeah. So is that. Yeah. 
I just love the fact that the Oilers kept playing. Like they kept, you know, I don't want, I like, I'm tired of these, of those games back, you know, a month ago where, where they quit playing and they, and you know, why watch the last period of a hockey game? I want to see this team go and compete right down to the last minute. Well, they, if they scored, the other, if they'd scored they, a dozen. I'd been happy. Yeah. They let the other teams in too. Like if you yeah. take it off the gas, right. Put a, put the league on notice so you're not fucking around anymore. That you're going to score twelve yeah. if they best yeah, defense yeah, is yeah. a good offense. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, three goals. <laughs> like that that could beat you know half the teams in the league. But it's not going to beat you if you score seven, right? And you know what? We've been getting those types of saves from Skinner and from uh, uh, Campbell, right? Those you know, must save kind of don't let the fourth goal in. It's not like we've had this, you know, defensive, uh, I guess we're, we've been around the three and two goal mark for the last 10, but you know, it's not been perfect, right? Like, you know, but they've been making the saves they need to Campbell's made some highlight reels. Um, some of the best saves I've seen all year from any goalie. Sure, glad we didn't put him on waivers like half half the Oilers Twitter wanted at the start of the year. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, this I'm time good, last year, yeah, everybody yeah, was hollering for Mike Smith to be yeah. sent down to the minors. <laughs> like, I mean, That's look true. what happened there. Yeah. Come on. We should have done it. <laughs> no, <I'm laughs> not. You know, I mean. Yeah, it's good. Like Campbell's found it. Driving Mike Smith's bus right out of town. Did you guys watch? Did you guys watch After Hours? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like what's Oak asks some of the most uncomfortable questions <laughs> I've ever well, seen. <laughs> like, so you know, he's, he's three. 37% pickled by the time he's asking his first question. <laughs> so, uh, hey, hey, you remember when you called yourself pathetic? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, did he at least start the question with, so you're now 6-0 and in your last six starts. Remember when you said you were pathetic? <laughs> oh, it makes me cringe sometimes. <laughs> but, he's awesome and i you know i always wonder like is he thinking about it before he says it you know maybe it's that dash it's that moment where you know you're thinking it in your head maybe i shouldn't say it maybe you shouldn't say it uh but you know what it makes for good tv just uh because it makes me cringe and makes me laugh <laughs> oh man i tell you uh who's the team to beat going into the second half in the uh, Pacific Division, LA Kings. You think it's LA? Yeah, I think I honestly think Mike. They're the ones that, in my opinion, they're the ones that are going to go for the biggest drop. That's uh, my not, opinion. They're not going to. They're not going to stay like where where they are. But right now, I think they're the team that we we got to claw and catch and put down and keep them down and i i don't want to i don't want to face them in the first round again no they're still that they're still the same kind of team built for the playoffs that they were last year right in the year in any other year like that's la king's hockey it's almost almost like they resurrected the ducks like yeah todd mcclellan's never been past the second round in his life yeah muddy hockey yeah, but it's, you know, it is, it's playoff, you know, it's playoff brand of hockey that'll get you seven games against the Oilers that were the better Six team. Seven, yep. Yeah. Don't you want my answer, Michael? Yeah, I'd love to hear your answer. That's what I'm here who's for. The team, who's, to, who's the team to beat in the Pacific? Yeah. Oh, man. Don't say <laughs> it. No, you, like you're banging them all year. Where's that mute button? Go for it. What do you what do you got? Who's your team? It's Calgary Flames. <laughs> I think I think Vegas makes the biggest drop. I think I, think I, I was thinking after I said LA, Vegas is definitely making I think Seattle has the biggest room to drop. I'm not as convinced that they will drop as much as Vegas. 
but go and look at the goalies team save percentage in Seattle and look at their PDO and their analytics and look at the, how high some of the shooting percentages is the career years. And so you know, what, ex- what, like after, I now, think honestly, LA is maybe the right home. answer, but it's Calgary. We have, that's who we have to beat and stay ahead of because that's, who's right on our fucking heels. And all they have to do is go on a little bit of a run like we are. And they're right at the top of the Pacific, too. And Calgary's capable of doing that, you guys. Don't underestimate. Like, what on there even excites you on that team? Without No, nothing. Sutter's postgame. Sutter's Sutter's postgame excites me. It doesn't excite him, but it excites me. But their defense has not been up to what anybody No, I mean... Like Stone Nigar hasn't been that good. I, I would agree. He's maybe not as advertised, but um, I don't know. They haven't. They're they're winless with Tanev out of the lineup. Like that team goes as Tanev goes. Look at the playoffs. He played with half of a shoulder there, and and we waxed them. So you're talking a one player team? <laughs> no, guy, that's the that's one. the team that you're. Taken. I'm and I'm I'm, I'm just curious because there's nothing like the the flames are exactly what I thought at the beginning, which I said we could go back is a couple is a whole bunch of guys that had career years last year playing for Sutter for multiple seasons now, right? So it's starting to wear thin a little bit with two guys that have never played. You know, in fact, and Kadri had a career year last year. Uh, Huberdo, I mean, I, I think Florida fleeced Calgary somehow. They knew, <laughs> that, like, I get this sense that Florida knew where Huberdo was headed. Uh, and Uyghur, I mean, that guy gives the puck away more than, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, every time I watch the Flames, which is a lot, like, he's, you know, Markstrom's got to hate him because uh, he's got more assists on opposition goals than. <laughs> than the other team, you know, I just I like I don't look at this. Just, they just have team to. As, what if they gel? What if they galvanize? What if something happens? Like I just don't think they're us? good enough. What if if Campbell's good enough to turn it around and go six and zero in his last six? As if Markstrom isn't. Who are the like, two players on Calgary though that go up against a team like Edmonton? Kadri, Lindholm, Uberdo. Lindholm career year last year. Kadri career, career, man. It, it's you know what? That's... Not every team can have McDavid and Drysaddle, Michael. No, I know, I know, but that's my point. Is who are who are those guys on Calgary? Right, like they just I and I and I thought that from the from the start was there's a team that never dealt with any injuries last year and had a ton of guys with career years under a Sutter coach team that didn't wear thin during the year but certainly would wear thin now. I mean, early on, Cervelli was talking about how... Yeah, we've been looking up at them the whole season, bud. They Like, we just passed them a week ago. And we were looking up at them in a a wild card spot. And I know we haven't been looking up at them the whole season. They only passed us at the Christmas break. That's the only time. The whole year. (laughs) Their problem is, like, you know, they've got Toffoli... Mangiapani, Kadri, um, Huberto, all these guys, are they all underachieving? I would say they are. And and even when they start, you know, playing well, they're not in the they're not in that, you know, stratosphere of dry and, and McDavid and Nuge. The question I was asked wasn't whether the Flames have McDavid and dry and no, I just, I, but I, the question is, who is the team to beat in the Pacific? Yeah, it's but you're not the Kings. It's you're, not the Vegas Knights. Maybe it's it not Seattle. Question, Josh. There's maybe six maybe points differing first. Maybe it's and Edmonton sixth. that's the team to you're, beat. I think you're, <laughs> asking, I think you're asking. I think you're asking for about six or seven guys from the Flames to all of a sudden like get switched on, and I just, I'm, I think that's a big ask. They're three points behind us, dude. Right. You're talking they're gonna... like they're you're talking like they're the bottom of the barrel. There's no, six you... points that separate first and sixth in the Pacific. You don't you're think th- in twenty games that they can drop four points ahead of us and the Flames and the Oilers can be first and second in the Pacific? 
It can happen in take, three uh, weeks. I would take probably That's the if team I, to beat. It's if the I said the guys to beat in the Pacific might be in my mind Seattle. And then depending on, you know, I don't know uh, if Vegas can turn it around. Like this stone thing, like it's like Tanev to the um, yeah to the Flames. Yeah. You know, Stone yeah, is out, and um, he, you know, but he could be back after the All Star break. And uh, and when he was in the lineup, I mean, they were top in the division, and it wasn't really even close, right? Like they were, you know, they were rolling on all cylinders. And and yet when Seems we unbeatable. When we, we went head to head with him, we, we we did fine. Like I I think there's a bit of a mirage there. But I think I, Vegas with Stone is the team to beat. <clears throat> Seattle's up there, but Seattle's streaky. I think you know they're they're the kind of team that has a good regular season in my mind, and then hits hits uh, comes back down to earth come playoff time. It's- They've lost like eight of their last ten. <laughs> like it's a pretty bad stretch for Vegas. Yeah, Vegas. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, they lost them all as soon as Stone went out. They mm-hmm. pretty much yeah, won the game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, and he's he's scheduled to be back sometime after the All Star break. I understand. We'll see. It's back problem, right? Um, I mean, so much. Like if Tanev doesn't come back, right? I think. Flames are in huge, you know, huge heap of shit as well. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the real Markstrom's got frankly, let's, too, but. the oil. This is the Oilers' opportunity right now. I don't, I don't think the, um, I, I like, I, I don't get it, Dash. I mean, we'll disagree until the end of the season, and one of us will, will say, "See, I told you so." Um, <laughs> Me. Yeah, <laughs> well, you'd say it anyway. But <laughs> you'd find some time to you'd find the most like the it's not about that. I'll find it about the, something else. The rarest clip in the pod and say, "See, I told you I was right." Um, I just don't. The Flames are exactly where I thought they'd be, fighting for a playoff spot after a number of guys had career years and uh, got some new guys in, and and Sutter's wearing thin. Um. We'll see. I mean, they they have been they've proven to be a streaky team over the past, you know, even pre-Sutter. Um, you know, they're a streaky team. So, we'll see what happens. But I my my guess, if I had to guess, Seattle, Vegas, and Edmonton would be somewhere in the mix in the top 3. In Vegas only if if uh, Stone isn't there and if it's not um if it's not Vegas, I think it'll be LA. Uh, but Vegas definitely like I can't believe how much Stone changes that lineup. I mean, uh, if you're uh we got Jeff, I don't know if he's still tuning in, but <laughs> if you if you're a Buffalo Sabres fan, I mean, you got to be laughing at Eichel right now, right? Like you've got it. There's got to be a little bit of joy in in knowing that this guy isn't able to get it done with a team like like Vegas. I mean, they've got decent. They've got decent defense. They've got uh they they should have like their their top six is decent, like should be should be enough to win most games. To be two six and two over that stretch, I mean goaltending might be might be a bit of a challenge when you're relying on Thompson to be your your number one guy. I mean that that's always been a little bit hopeful, but it you know, it worked for a time. I don't know what Stone like. Is it the leadership Stone brings? You know what it is, but he certainly, you know, the success and failure of this team is largely dependent on his existence in the lineup. Imagine if we didn't have McDavid and Drysital, and Evander Kane was our best player. That's what's happening to Vegas. You take a guy like that out of the lineup that scores all your goals and wins all your fights and is all your hits and is the <laughs> yeah. leader. And- yeah, but Eichel should be that. Eichel should be, you know, isn't he supposed to be the guy? Isn't Marcheseau, like, supposed to be the guy? You know, Carl. Broke his neck, man. Yeah. Yeah, now that you say that, there's a decent amount of talent in Vegas. It just doesn't have that real high end, you know, like, 
Ike Eichel's nowhere close to McDavid or Dry. Like, Dursa, don't you really think that the issue is Vegas is that they fired three coaches in the offseason? That's the Oilers. I mean, the Oilers are bad. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. The <laughs> thank is. you, Michael. Yes, thank Back you. To the future, yes. Anyway, I don't get, I don't get Vegas. I don't get how one player could have such a profound effect on the team. Uh, you know, clearly he's not getting paid enough, <laughs> and uh, and Jack Eichel's getting paid too much. So when how old is uh, like Mark Stone's not? He's not a kid anymore. He's thirty years old. I don't get it. I, I, you know, I'd love to. I, I'm, I'm really curious, Dash, like where this um, Flames thing ends up. Who's going to be right? I mean, we, we're going to find out, you know, come the end of the season. Uh, they, um, you know, Markstrom's obviously not been maybe worth the six million to date that they've hoped. He's just been too inconsistent. Uh, Vladar, though, for seven fifty a, a crack. Mm-hmm. Like the Flames seem to um, have a lot of success finding decent backup goalies or guys that can play, you know, backup minutes, and and maybe that's uh, more to do with the strength on the on the back end than it is um, and Probably. the systems that they play. But yeah. but uh, Vladar, you know, could easily be the starter in in Calgary by the end of the season. I think yeah. there's some that think he should be now. All right, guys, we're getting close to the uh, to the end of the hour. Uh, a lot of you have um, commented on the YouTube and uh, across the different platforms. Thank you for tuning in tonight. I just want to uh, plug to uh, the Heavy Hockey Showdown. Mike Durst is wearing one of our jerseys uh, from past events. Uh, so it was formerly called the Oilers Live Cup, and so I assume everybody that's tuned in right now has heard of it, or um, if you haven't, you probably haven't been listening, which is probably possible too. <laughs> uh, the Oilers Live Cup uh, was a game that we did every year uh, for charity. It's going to continue on as the Heavy Hockey Showdown. We've got, um, we've got, I think eight player spots only left uh, to fill out two teams. And then uh, Dursa and I, I think by this weekend, are going to do a draft and draft those teams. It's all in uh, support of charity, uh, the Sexual Assault Center of Edmonton, uh, which deals, uh, you know, just check them out. It's um, SACE, S-A-C-E. And... um, it's ace.ca. So if you check out their website, there's lots of information on there and the different services they provide. Uh, you know, police and court support, uh, counseling, youth counseling, uh, workshops, group counseling, you name it. It's all there. Uh, you know, great organization that's been around uh, th- since the 70s. Um, I believe the 70s that uh, when. Um, Edmonton, sadly, was called at some point the sexual assault capital of Canada. And, uh, you know, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure that um, hopefully that's that's changing. Hopefully organizations like this can, um, you know, lend a hand and make some change. Uh, but they're certainly doing uh, good work and uh, meaningful work. And, and in a time when we're dealing with some of the shit that we hear about Hockey Canada and some of this other stuff, this is all very, very, very relevant. Check out on uh, Twitter at Oilers Live. Um, starting uh, tomorrow will be 30 days until the um, until March 4th, until the game, until the Heavy Hockey Showdown. And I'll put at least, uh, you know, one uh piece of information about um you know what uh sexual assault means or you know what um what's out there uh i'd just like to do 30 days of um awareness uh prior to our event and so that people can get the word out anyway all of that to say uh it is a it is a terrific cause and um if if you do anything uh check out over the next little while i'll put a donation we're going to have a donation page set up uh probably by tomorrow 
uh, for people to go and donate. We need silent auction items for our after party on March 4th. We need, um, we need a couple more players if you want to come and skate. Uh, and uh, we just need your support. So all of those things uh, support us. It's for a good cause. It is absolutely zero profit uh, taken from this. It, um, once the expenses are paid, uh, every single dollar and penny goes to um, the Sexual Assault Center. And we've done our absolute best to keep the expenses down to almost a bare minimum next to nothing. So that's great. And there's going to be, we've already got some uh, really special silent auction items. Uh, Dash was uh, great enough to get us a um, dry settle signed jersey uh, for the uh, silent auction. So that's pretty exciting. So pretty excited about that. We're good buddies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can give, give Leon a call. Anyway, yeah, this well, is. He, he waited in line to see me. It was nice. That's right. This is, um, it is fantastic. And it, you know what, all of that, I'm, I'm talking pretty seriously about it because I believe in the cause, uh, but all of that, and it is a super fun, like just a fun game, right? And any chance I get to beat Dursa on the ice is uh, just makes for a ton of fun. So, um, and uh, I hold the um, Adam Zakuski uh, trophy uh, up high, and, and uh, that's the name of the, uh, the cup that we win. And you know what? Just feels good. Feels good to get those uh, winning goals and and be on the ice and yeah. Uh, Jay says, "Do we need referees for the game?" Well, Brett, we need uh, a capable one. Yeah, <laughs> Brett is going to referee. Uh, we could use one more, uh, preferably somebody uh, with good eyesight. <laughs> So we'll get that. Uh, yeah, Jay, we'd uh, love to get a hand uh, there. I'm sure um, just reach out to me. You know how to reach out to me. Thanks for listening. Uh, all right. So that's uh, that's all I've got to say. Check out heavyhockey.com. I'm going to uh, pass the mic off to Mike Dersa, and then we'll finish it off with uh, Dash tonight. I know Mike probably had a speech made up, but uh, I'm sure Dash also had a speech made up. So. <laughs> there we go dursa final words yeah um weathers are off until uh i think february 7th against detroit it's a 5 30 game and uh they go on a little bit of an eastern swing after the all-star break when they get back um looking forward to kind of the stretch drive and yeah march the 4th um if you're not doing anything and you want to come play some hockey with us clowns uh you're more than welcome to do that or come and heckle us. We appreciate it. Um, come hang out in the dressing room and tell a few lies. Uh, that's cool too. Um, thanks for having me on Michael. And uh, if you haven't subscribed yet, subscribe to the heavy hockey network and uh, check out some articles on heavyhockey.com. Good night. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Uh, thanks Durson. And then, um, we're going to go to uh, dash here for the final word. I just want to say uh, one thing. Uh, as well, before I let Dash have the final word, a little shout out to the Halifax Mooseheads organization. They're creating a record this year. They're, they've gone, uh, I want to say it's now 21 games without losing in regulation. Uh, and they're uh, currently on an 11 game point scoring streak. Uh, the last time they had a run like this, they won the Memorial Cup. There was a, uh, a guy, he's not such a bad hockey player, uh, called Nathan McKinnon playing for uh, the Mooseheads that year. Uh, they've got uh, the top two scorers in the queue playing there this year. A guy by the name of Jordan Dumais, uh, who's uh, outstanding. He's a Columbus Blue Jackets prospect who signed an entry level this year. Um, and then they've got the first rounder, uh, LaRue, uh, who uh, is a Nashville uh, Predators um, prospect. And he's been outstanding since he got back from injury. So this is a team that uh, if you're following the CHL at all, I think they're ranked number four this week, um, but they're a team to watch for sure, as are the Quebec Ramparts in the queue. So if you're into these, um, into junior hockey, uh, that's a couple teams to watch uh, from the queue. And that's my uh, QMJHL report. Off to you, Dash, for the last word. Putting everybody else on mute. Have a good one. Thanks. You're up, Dash. Well, it was a decent segue. Um, I actually had something else planned for the last word, but I think I'll save it for another show.
you guys um, talked about the heavy hockey showdown that's coming. Uh, Dursa will be selecting one team, and uh, Mr. Hebert will be selecting the other team. Um, and as you talk about Quebec, Michael, I would just like to uh, thank you for allowing me to use this platform here. At the end of your show, uh, with nothing but our great heavy hockey audience listening to uh, declare myself ineligible for Team Dursa. And, uh, you know, this is a, a Quebec and Eric Lindros kind of type situation. I, I'm not embarrassed about it at all. Um, but uh, like Lindros refused to play for Quebec, I, I, I will refuse to play for Team Dursa. And let's just say that if you enjoy listening to us bicker in a podcast, you'll enjoy us bickering on opposite hockey teams. And uh, that's about it. So looking forward to that um, and hope the draft, you know, goes my way. Good night, everybody.